Hello, everybody, and welcome to the month of Gemini. And again, this month, I am joined in this podcast for Transcending the Negative Mind by Zoe Hind, soul astrologer, well-being coach, personal trainer. And as many of you know, I am a psychotherapist, a kundalini yoga teacher. I very much work with energy and transforming ourselves away from the negative mind. So Zoe, welcome, welcome to today's podcast. Great to be here as usual. Lovely to see you. And I'm looking forward to exploring Gemini with you. Yes, let's get into it. So Gemini, we're in the third sign of the Zodiac. We've done Aries, we've done Taurus, now we've done Gemini. We're doing Gemini. The element is air, early summer air. Simplest way to look at it. So when we get to this time of the year, we're dealing with, if you imagine the bees buzzing around, getting ready to make their honey. The full moon in the Celtic system of June was called the honeymoon because the bees make their honey on that moon around that time. And we've just come out of Taurus where people coupled in the woods and it was very sensual. People used to tie the knot under the honeymoon. So that's where we get our honeymoon energy from. So to to marry this up, literally, we're dealing with the lover's card in tarot. And the lover's card shows young and old black and white, male and female. It shows the polarities of life. And the reason for that, the reason Gemini is the twins, is that we go from the winter solstice where we've got the sun growing to its height. And the twins of the zodiac are the summer solstice, which is the light half of the year, the sun growing. And then the dark half of the year after the summer solstice as the sun declines in its strength. So we're dealing with the Gemini twins here. And there's nearly always a polarity that Gemini people face, whether you've got a lot of Gemini in your chart, sun, moon rising or other planets. So that can be young and old. It can be optimistic, pessimistic. It can be introvert, extrovert. But when we think of the twins... The lover's card shows us that this is where we need to find fusion. So if you now imagine the yin-yang symbol, that's a very, very unified symbol for the number two, for the twins, going from opposites to fused partners together, appreciating the light and the dark side. So that's basically the energy of Gemini. It's very mental, ruled by Mercury. We've had a lovely month of Taurus to really settle in the heart. Things are going to speed up now because the speed gets quicker. And we're looking at communication, thoughts, words, and healing, as Gemini is the catechus in the symbol of the snakes going up the staff with the winged disc at the top. So we're dealing with communication, healing, travel even, moving around quickly, and money because it's the symbol of Mercury. So changing shape, that Mercury goes from solid to liquid. And most of my videos this month will be talking about, can we change? Can we change our mind? Can we change our perspective? So we'll do the planetary observations at the end, but that's the general energy of Gemini. Lots to tune into there. Lots to tune into. And I really like when you talk about the uh, fusion of partners, because when I think about Gemini, I think about the twins. And this represents the yin and the yang, our shadow side, how we balance ourselves and how we make peace with our shadow side. And we all have a shadow side. 
the two parts within which can create a duality. We can resist and resent that part of ourselves and it comes out through being highly critical to ourselves, the language we use, the tone of voice, the clothes we wear, the food we eat. And it's looking at how we communicate with ourselves. What is the tone of your voice? Are you critical or loving and encouraging? Do you call yourself stupid or swear at yourself? We are our harshest critics by far. There are four types of communication, verbal, nonverbal, written and visual. And communication can be the hardest thing in any relationship and particularly how we are in relationship with self. To be open and honest with how you really feel. Often with partners, family or friends, we can communicate non-verbally with obstructing body language or a look. How we communicate can have so many different variants, happy, angry, sad, joyous. And another aspect of communication is intimacy. Intimacy is how deeply you communicate with your partner or your friend. Can you share your darkest thoughts and fears and feel held and safe? Can you acknowledge your darkest thoughts and fears to yourself or do you run away from them? If we don't share our thoughts and fears when we are in relationship, then blocks can start to build very slowly and subconsciously at first until they grow so big that there are arguments, shouting, fighting. Underneath that, there are a host of other emotions running through fear, vulnerability, sadness, trust. Often we don't share our deepest and most honest thoughts with those close to us as we fear rejection or fear not being heard or held in a way that we need in that moment. So I want to ask, are you rejecting yourself with your own dialogue? Do you trust your intuition and what your heart is trying to tell you? Do you listen to yourself in the way that you long for others to listen to you? Do you argue, shout and fight with yourself? The next time you feel resistance coming up, allow yourself time to be really curious about what the story is that you're telling yourself. Observe the thoughts. Imagine yourself standing outside of yourself, observing and noticing how you are in relationship with yourself. That's beautiful. Thank you. I wanted to add to that as well, that because we're dealing with how to transcend the negative mind and there was lots of really positive uh, observations that you had there but I think observation is the word we're thinking in a stream of consciousness and there's wonderful books which go into be the observer of your thoughts so you've just said there stand outside your body and observe yourself but until that's brought into our conscious awareness we're just thinking constantly like scenes going across a movie screen and we are able once we can actually observe that we are able to observe the thoughts to step back to become the projectionist rather than the thinker and just that little bit of space is a really beautiful thing it's the difference really between reacting and responding because reacting is very Aries it's a knee-jerk reaction it's a trigger it's a it's um, something that comes up inside of us. But respond comes from the French word pendre, which is to think. So when we take time to step back, to observe and to think, even those few seconds can make the difference between getting into an argument 
or a hot situation and actually stepping back and being able to learn. What am I learning here? Why am I saying this? So we have this beautiful tool that is the mind, but unless we become the master of the mind, then we're living in this stream of consciousness. And the tools that we can use to tune into higher thought forms, because Mercury is the magician in tarot, and the magician actually is showing us how to tune in higher, to create better and manifest better in our reality then just be aware number one that that's a stream of consciousness and you have once you've got the uh, awareness of that once you catch yourself thinking and it's often our emotions that will catch that if we feel contracted it's probably because we're thinking something negative so a practice of stopping enough times a day to say how am I feeling okay what was I just thinking maybe write that down and what you'll find is that you're having the same five or six negative thoughts over and over again. And the control brain just wants to have those thoughts over and over again in case you forget. But once you write those down and capture those thoughts, then it can relax because those thoughts are captured and you can attend to those at another time. But yeah, Gemini is very much to do with communication with self, communication with others, and the power of our words. Because words create, words affect, uh, literally matter. If you look at the study of cymatics, that's where they play music or sound to water or sand on a, on a drum skin. And it forms these beautiful patterns. So we're dealing with uh, very profound knowledge that in the beginning was the word said that words were sung into being. So the sound comes before the matter and shapes it. So when we're not using the right words, you were talking about negative dialogue and calling yourself um, all sorts of names, then do we really actually have consciousness as to what those words mean? And there's a wonderful study called etymology, which is the root base of words and their true meaning. And just like spelling in language is spelling, it's also spellcraft, it's also incantation. So we need to be very careful what words we use in order that we're not casting a spell on ourselves. And there's some really powerful words. The one that I wanted to bring up, because we'll be talking about healing later, is the word pharmacy. And obviously we've had a year of hearing about the pharmaceutical industries, et cetera, et cetera. The word pharmacy, when you break it down etymologically, actually breaks down to poisoning and witchcraft. I don't mind the witchcraft because that can have a positive aspect. Obviously, that's, you know, the Internet is not good or bad. It's the way you use it, that kind of thing. But poisoning, I'm not sure that should be connected to word pharmacy somehow, although we all know that it is. So just have a look at the words that you're using. Maybe do some research so that you're consciously, especially with affirmations, consciously using empowering words rather than disempowering words. And the awareness that what you say is actually shaping your reality is actually having a physical impact on you so yeah incantation and the power of the word the power of the vibration of the word takes that one step as well as what vocabulary we're we're saying to ourselves and why thanks Zoe for sharing that that's so interesting and I love when you were talking about the space 
when we say our words and the standing outside of ourselves, because it makes me think about the space between and being conscious about when we speak our words, how those words land on somebody else. And when somebody speaks to us, how their energy lands on us. And also by taking that, that moment to just stand back and observe what's going on, it gives us an opportunity to reframe our response, particularly if somebody said something to us that we do have a bit of a reaction to. If we just stand back, it gives us an opportunity to reframe it into a softer, maybe, but also more connected with what we're actually feeling rather than that reactionary place where we can really sort of snap back at people. So thank you for that. And really interesting about the pharmacy bit. I didn't know that. So that's something I have learned today. So thank you. I love that the caduceus, the symbol for Mercury, the planet that rules Gemini, has the two snakes representing spiritual energy. And with Kundalini Yoga, we store our Kundalini energy at the base of our spine like a coiled snake or serpent. When we start to awaken that energy, we feel empowered, more present and energized. So I was going to talk a bit about Gemini and the element of air, obviously being the element of air, because Gemini is also about then the breath. And again, Kundalini Yoga is about the breath. When we're anxious, we breathe very shallowly in our chest. Start to notice if this, some, this is something you do, and then deepen and lengthen the breath out, breathing all the way down into your belly, and then drawing your navel towards your spine on the exhale. And just start to notice how your breath is. With Gemini being an air sign, we can sometimes feel too much in our heads and a lovely exercise to do to ground ourselves is something called Sufi grind, which you may or may not be familiar with. It's also known as Kundalini circles. Sitting cross-legged, place your hands on your knees and begin to rotate your body forwards as you inhale and exhale as you rotate your body backwards. It's like drawing a big circle with the base of your spine. Really focus on and use the breath to connect you and support you with the movement, coordinating the breath with the movement. This exercise works on the root chakra, so it's very grounding and brings us back to being present and in the moment. And if you can continue for three minutes or longer if you're able to, when you finish, inhale deeply, Suspend the breath for 10 seconds and then exhale and enjoy the neutrality of the mind, that blissful place that we often don't engage with. This is also a lovely exercise to do if you're feeling anxious. I love that word neutrality. <laughs> There's a scale that someone's produced, which is the frequency of all the different emotions. And um, neutrality is 250 hertz. So, you know, there's no point fake it till you make it. I don't like that phrase at all. There's no point pretending that you're happy. But can you just find neutral in a scenario which is responding rather than reacting and finding that sacred space? So I really like that, uh, that word neutral. So, yes, Mercury is the ruler of Gemini Mercury and the Cadicus is the symbol of the supposedly the healing profession. Um, and it's about raising that energy so the the stave is the spine and the two snakes go up the spine but the 
winged disc at the top is actually opening the pineal gland. And this shows the mercurial alchemical healing aspect of being able to change because mercury is a changeable substance. It goes from solid to liquid. It's our power to change. So with Gemini being very mental, we also have the power to change our mind. And there's a lovely phrase, if happiness is a state of mind and you're not happy, change your mind. So it's one of our superpowers and it goes often overlooked. So have a look this month at your ability to change your mind. And there's a lovely technique that I discovered for myself a couple of years ago. And it really does apply to the world that we live in now because there's so much disinformation. But I call it try on the other shoe. So if somebody tells you this is X, Y, Z, and it doesn't sit right with you, instead of trying to figure your way right the way through to well, what's true, try the opposite first and then head backwards from that point because you're probably going to find that a lot easier to navigate 2021 with so much disinformation that if you try the opposite, and it's a great technique as well just to be fair-minded and balanced just to say, okay, well, I've been told this, what's the opposite of that? And then you're finding where do I fit on that scale? And it's a much, much shorter journey with some of that disinformation. But the fair-mindedness as well, we had a debating club at school and we had to debate our opposite opinion. And I just thought that was really healthy and normal to actually be able to put together a case for the opposite of what you think, because then that's helping you actually realize what you do think or other parts of what you think that are actually faulty and not holding up so I think that fairness and that balance between those two uh, is really valuable to be able to change our mind change shape like mercury and um, at least consider the opposite so that we're not just choosing our labels and choosing our opinions and getting backed into a corner where we fight so hard to defend a belief that possibly has been given to us and wasn't ours in the first place. So that's a, a really interesting one. But there's lots of um, ways that we can heal. If we realise, again, etymology, the word disease is being out of ease. And it's always the mind that's going to do that because the body self-heals until the mind gets in the way. So if you want to calcify and bring in a frequency to cause a dis-ease, a state of dis-ease, that has to be done through the thoughts and beliefs first. Unless, obviously, it's a mechanical thing, like a sprained ankle or something. But even then, it might be that you were running around and being too busy. There might be a cause and effect um, behind that particular injury. But just have a look at your sense of ease and dis-ease. And what are you saying to yourself? What are you thinking? What are you believing? that's causing your body to cramp up, to calcify, or to manifest in the physical. And then obviously knowing that we've got the ability to change our mind, we can have a look ourselves, uh, well, what would be something that would cause a state of ease and pure health? Yes, I love that. And I often think also when, so if I'm really busy, and then I, I'm out walking, I might trip over or do something like that. And then I'll think, okay, well, hang on a minute. What was I just thinking at that moment? And it's always to bring me back into the present, definitely. So I, that totally resonates with what you're saying and that dis-ease, definitely. So what have we got to look forward to with the moon in Gemini? Well, we have um, eclipse season. 
So we've got the coming full moon in Sagittarius at five degrees on the 26th, and that is an eclipse at 12.12, I believe. We've got some numerology going on here as well. So we've got a, a big eclipse on the 26th. Don't call it a blood moon. That's a modern news hype. It's not the blood moon. The blood moon can only be in October. Um, but we have got these eclipses. So eclipses are a very important time to stop. And the phrase I like for eclipses, which is perfect for Gemini, is that you've got one mouth and two ears. Because people go, oh, what should I do on the full moon? Which is ridiculous because it's a time to stop and reflect. But when we have an eclipse, it's bodies getting in the way of other bodies' frequencies. So there can be sudden change comes through. As the bodies line up, they're not giving us their full frequency. There's an interruption. So we've got that full moon in Sagittarius, which is the wisdom seeker, the shaman. So we might see some um, visions coming through. We might get connected to our core because Sagittarius points to the galactic center. So we might even get some inspiration coming through that will help us on our journey. And then we have the new moon on the 10th of June, which is an eclipse as well. And that's 19 degrees. Um, and that very much will be, can you stop and listen? Because everybody thinks that Gemini are such good communicators. And in fact, they're here to learn about communication. Because they're so in the stream of consciousness, they'll interrupt you all the time because they're worried that they're going to forget what they were going to say. So if we can learn the art of communication, which is, I would say, at least 70% listening and 30% responding, then we can get back into that natural flow. So it's more complicated than that, though, because we're also coming up to a Mercury retrograde. And we've got Mercury retrograde in Gemini. So everything that we've just said about Gemini and the superpowers and the potholes, this is going to be exacerbated and expanded because Mercury, the ruler of Gemini, is going to go retrograde from, well, there's three phases, really. So uh, quick explanation. You've got the first phase, which is the 15th of May to the 29th of May. And that's when Mercury is going through Gemini. Awareness. Listen to what comes up. Listen to your language. Listen to what you're being shown, you're told. Observe, because whatever comes up in this window gets to be revised and recalibrated from the 30th of May to the 23rd of June. That's the retrograde phase when we go inwards, when we reassess, we review, we revise. And then from the 24th of June to the 7th of July, we've got the older and wiser taking a step up. We've realized what we learned, what we needed to change, and then we reap the benefits. So there's always a three phase aspect to Mercury retrogrades. But obviously in Gemini, all the things that we've just spoken about will be super, super relevant. And I think we're going to get a, a living workshop day by day, thanks to Mercury retrograding in its own signs. So. That's what we've got coming up this month. Gosh, lots to think about and definitely a time to really be present and keep ourselves, yeah, present, not allow ourselves to go off too much into those airy thoughts. Yes, I feel that we almost need to harness each month and not just kind of turn over another leaf on the calendar and just forget everything that we've just learned. But we've had this very, very still and centering organic and nurturing month of Taurus. So we want to hold on 
to everything that we've learned from that so that when things get airy and mental and scatty, we go back and we actually practice all the things that we learned in the month of Taurus. Yes, how we stay steady and strong within when there's the chaos going on around outside us. Exactly. Mm. The stillest part of the wheel is the centre. Mm. Thank you so much, Zoe, for joining me this evening. It's been really lovely to talk to you again and to, and for us to share these thoughts around Gemini and the energies of Gemini. I hope everybody will find this really helpful. I'm sure they will. So join us next month when we will be looking at the energies of cancer. Cancer is the element of water. And we hope that you can join us then. And we will look forward to connecting with you soon. You can find Zoe's details. Well, Zoe, do you want to share where you can be found? Yeah, certainly. You can email me zoehind7 at gmail.com. And I post daily on Facebook at AstroZoe, Instagram at zoehind7, and YouTube, lots of videos there, Zoe Astro. Lovely, thank you. And likewise, you can email me at info at juliamelville.com. You can find my website, www.juliamelville, and I'm on Instagram as julia underscore melville. Very happy to answer any questions that might come up. And yeah, hope you have the most awesome month of Gemini. Thank you, everybody. Have a great month.